Welcome to the Bethel Church Austin Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this sermon by Pastor Joaquin Evans. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit www.bethelchurchaustin.com. Come on, is God good? Thank you, Jesus. It feels really thick in here. Anybody got room for more? Come on. Thank you, Jesus. I, uh, I got something on my heart to share uh, tonight, but uh, before I do that, I got the, uh, the privilege. Um, I'm going to have my dad come up, and he's, he's going to share for a few minutes and uh, release some fire on us. So he's going to preach at you for 10 minutes. And, um, and uh, I, uh, they had graduation in the Activate class uh, this afternoon. And a bunch of people graduated from the 12-week Activate class and uh, getting equipped. And so I just came in and shared and just, you know, blessed the graduates. And so he introduced me as, this is, this is my son and who I'm well pleased. So I get to introduce, this is my father in whom I'm well pleased. So you just welcome my dad, Jim, as he's going to come up and... Share what's on his heart with us for a few minutes tonight. Thank you. Give me a hug, man. Wow. <laughs> Happy birthday. Thank you, guys. Thank you. It's not too late. It's not too late. I loved it when Caleb was singing that. How many people know it's not too late? It's never too late. Amen? So Joaquin mentioned the uh, Activate class, and <clears throat> um, so proud of our graduates and our team members. Um, for those of you who don't know, Activate, as you said, it was 12 weeks, and it's a quick class where we help people to identify their giftings and develop those, and then we pour into them. We have a team of about 28 crazy facilitators and volunteers, and we, <laughs> and we just pour into those folks so that they can go out into the world and do the stuff. Amen? Yeah, and do the stuff. So really, really proud. How many Activate? Graduate students and team members do we have here today? Stand up for a moment. Stand up for a moment. Yeah. Let's give them a big hand. Yeah. Yeah, these guys are changing the world. They're changing Austin, and they're just changing, changing the world soul by soul. <clears throat> Can I share an encouraging scripture with you tonight? You guys all know this one. It's Matthew 7, 7 through 10. It says, ask and the gift is yours. Seek and you'll discover. Knock and the door will be open for you. For every persistent one will get what he asked for. Every persistent seeker will discover what he longs for. And everyone who knocks persistently will one day find an open door. And that's from the Passion Translation. 
Now, the following testimony, I'm going to share some testimonies with you tonight. And the following testimony is from two members of our team that take that passage seriously. How many people believe that? You knock continuously. You seek after it continuously, and the door will be open to you. Well, they believe this. This just, uh, I won't... I won't say their names, but it's a married couple, and they went on vacation last week, and they went back to their hometown in SoCal, and they went to their favorite donut shop. And they're used to this, this man and woman who have been running this shop for, I don't know, a long time, decades. And so they, they went in, and they noticed that the lady was serving by herself, 72-year-old lady serving by herself. And they asked, well, where's your husband? He said, well, he's sitting over there in that chair. And he said, for a year and a half, I've been having to do the, all the operation by myself. And he's been, he's been crippled with severe arthritis. He has a heart condition. And he's confused. He, he, he can't communicate. He, he can't speak, and he can't really understand what you're saying. So they said, well, can we pray for him? And she said, yes, you can. So as they approached him, he, he recalled in fear. Because he didn't understand what was happening. So they prayed over him, but they prayed directly at his wife. And so they prayed. They prayed everything they've learned. They prayed for healing. They prayed for um, um, a complete restoration. Okay. Tutorial. Quick break. <laughs> it's all good, right? So, uh, should I finish the story? Yeah. Oh, you sure? Okay. So, anyway, so um, they came back two days later, and um, they noticed that the husband wasn't in his chair. So, they asked his wife, said, well, where is he? What's going on? She had a big smile on her face. She said, well, the day after you prayed for my husband, that morning he woke up completely and totally healed. <laughs> His arthritis was gone. His heart was recovered. And he could speak and understand. So they said, well, where is he? And she said, he's over there at the cash register helping customers, making change and serving customers. After a year and a half, guys, of being incapacitated. Hey, is our God good or what? You know, there's one reason why we can do these things. And this is from John 14, 12. I tell you this timeless truth. The person who follows me in faith, believing in me, will do the same mighty miracles that I do. Even greater miracles than these because I go to be with my Father. For I will do whatever you ask me to do when you ask me in my name. And that is how the Son will show what the Father is really like and bring glory to him. Ask me anything in my name, and I will do it for you. Come on, man. Are these scriptures boring? There's more. The Bible is stock full of empowering promises. But do we believe those promises? Are we prepared to walk in those promises? 
will we do what's necessary to capture those promises? You know, Jesus Christ wasn't passive. He said, you must go out and pray to heal the sick. He said, you, you, you must go out and make disciples of the nations. He didn't say if you feel like it. Or if it's not raining today. <laughs> he said you must go out and do these things. Ephesians 1, 19, 20. Last thing I'm going to read. I pray that you will continue to experience the immeasurable greatness of God. God's power made available. God's power made available to you through faith. God's power made available to you through faith. Then your lives will be an advertisement of this immense power as it works through you. How many people want to be an advertisement for God? How many people want to be a walking billboard for God? Come on. Yeah. I love the passion. This is the mighty power that was released when God raised Christ from the dead and exalted him to the place of highest honor and supreme authority in the heavenly realm. The power that is released through, to us through faith. It's yours, folks. The power is yours. I'm going to share a couple more testimonies and then I'm done. You guys, uh, how many people went to the uh, Bethel Music Conference? About six weeks ago, I guess it was. Some of our team members went, and they were up in the balcony, and they were sitting near a lady who couldn't put any weight on one leg. As it turns out, she had metal in her leg, and she couldn't put any weight on it. So they said, but can we pray for you? And she said, yeah, you can pray for us. You can pray for me. And they prayed for her, and guess what? The metal dissolved. Okay, I, maybe, okay. They prayed for her, and the metal dissolved. The woman got up and could put full weight on her leg and walk normally. Now, I don't know how long she's been suffering from that, but I know that the prayer didn't take long at all. How much time do you have to, to set people free? How much time do you have? We don't do it for our own glory. Amen? We do it for his glory. We want to illuminate like a billboard. Amen? For the glory of God. You want to hear one more? Two weeks ago, I gave out what we call the 30-day challenge. And in the class, there's about 85 people in there, including uh, team members. I said, okay, do this with me if you would. For the next 30 days, I want you to, I want you to pick a big miracle. And I want you to pick something that's just frivolous just for yourself to show you how much daddy just loves you and wants to spoil you. And so, <laughs> so we picked a big miracle, and we picked a smaller one. Well, it's not small to him, right? It's not small to you, but something a little bit more frivolous. I'm going to share one with you, just one. That was on a Saturday, of course. That Monday or Tuesday, he can't remember which day it was. He's, he, uh, he put his, uh, he saw two jobs. So, oh, so the big one. I think it was the big one. I hope that wasn't the small one. Anyway, the big one, I think, was that he wanted a, a job making six figures. In other words, over $100,000 a year, right? And no small request, right? 
So Monday or Tuesday, whichever it was, he went on Indeed.com and posted his resume for two jobs he saw. He immediately got a response, went in for two interviews, and got offered both jobs, making well over $100,000 a year. Unfortunately, he had to turn down one of them. <laughs> but I mean, within a matter of days, guys, that's how much your father loves you. That's how much you have available to you. It's like having $10 million in your bank account, and you got an ATM card in your wallet, and you never pull it out and use it. Amen? Hey, use that ATM card. Your daddy wants to spoil all of us. He loves us that much. He wants to spoil us all. I just want to leave you with this word. I want to exalt you to have faith that the Lord Jesus Christ is in you. Please do not let fear rule you. Cross that chicken line. Remember that God resides inside you and through him all things are possible. Thank you. Amen. I appreciate you guys. Thank you so much. Thank you, Joaquin. Come on. I was going to do the happy birthday thing at the end, but you beat me to it. So happy birthday, Dad. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Feels like the Father's love in here. Thank you, Jesus. We'll just take more of that, amen? Yeah, God, we just invite you just to come and to keep on coming. Thank you that the train of your robe fills the temple, but as it comes, it just continues to come. So we just thank you for your love, just increasing increasing more, more, more. Father, wreck us even more than you have already. Thank you, Jesus. I've already been just touched deeply by the presence of God tonight. Oh, the end of worship was like, but I could take more. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> and I'll have some more. Oh, yes, we were just in Australia for two weeks. We, we did miss you guys. It's a great feeling to... Uh, you know, travel, and as you guys know, we, we came out of a, a lot of years of itinerating all over the world, but to be in a season now where we can travel and uh, see what God's doing, he's pouring out, but more than anything, we just want to be at home because of what God's doing at home and what God's pouring out. So we did miss being here with you guys, and it was mostly doing family time, uh, but uh, we did... We did one weekend of ministry while we were there, and I had some really cool, cool things happen. One of them, which was fun, um, is I don't know if you guys remember uh, a gentleman named Gebin. He was a part of our community here for several months, and uh, then he felt called to go do Hillsong College in Sydney, Australia. So he was here for four or five months, whatever it was, and he left went to Hillsong just a few months ago, two months ago or something, and Renee went to their women's conference with her, her mom and her sister-in-law, and at, there's like 8,000 women at this thing, right? And uh, it's over two weekends, and they saw how many salvations? 
1,500 salvations at this event, which is, a, which is amazing. So they were there just attending, but they had a break. So there's 8,000 women piling out of this auditorium, and Renee hears somebody going, Pastor Renee, Pastor Renee. She's like, who's calling me Pastor Renee in this environment? And she turns around, and it's Gebin. And he's, and the, as part of being in the college, they serve at the, uh, at the conference. And so he starts telling her, he's like, it's been so amazing since we've been here. He said, I, I received such an impartation in my short time at Bethel Austin that miracles have been breaking out all around me in the students at Hillsong College. People are getting healed left and right. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. That's amazing. We, um. We got to minister at one of our favorite favorite churches. Um, they just have such an open heaven there. It's it's about an hour and a half um, north in a in a beach community up there, and uh, we just love the leaders there. And uh, we were there before the first session, having coffee with the the leaders and just fellowshipping and catching up. And we started reminiscing. We've probably been there. I would, I would say about five times we've been to this, this church and ministered, and uh, we were reminiscing on things that God had done in our times together in the past. And listen, it's a good problem when you've seen God do so much, sometimes you forget amazing miracles that he's done. It's like, and then we started, we started talking, and they reminded me of this miracle. I'm like, I cannot believe I forgot this. But a couple of years ago, we were there, and in one of the services, where really the Father's heart, the love of the Father was so prevalent, kind of like he's prevalent right now. And sometimes you're, you're, in this, you're in these moments and you're like, the wind of Holy Spirit's blowing through the room. Sometimes, sometimes Jesus, the Son, is, is making himself manifest. And sometimes you can just feel the Father's love. And I feel like that's what is here tonight, is the Father's love. But it was one of those nights in, uh, in Australia, and I just stopped, and I just called. I'm like, God, the Father's love is here right now, and I believe he's doing miracles through the room. And I believe the Father's love is here right now in this room, and I believe he's doing miracles through the room. I'm not going to take a, a lot of time, but he is doing miracles in the room already because he's good. Thank you, Jesus. Specifically, somebody who has um, uh, uh, a... Uh, like a degenerative condition in the stomach where like the lining or something is eating away itself in the intestines or something. God is healing that tonight in Jesus' name. Uh, leaky gut, ulcers, God is healing that tonight in Jesus' name. Somebody with a, a frozen shoulder, God is healing that tonight in Jesus' name. And metal is disappearing from bodies in Jesus' name. Come on, somebody say amen with me. Arthritis is disappearing tonight in Jesus' name. If that's you, just say, I receive that. In, I receive that <laughs> in Jesus' name. And so we're in this moment in Australia a couple years ago, Father's Love. I mentioned this lady stands up, and she, before this moment, she had debilitating arthritis. Her arms were curled up like this so bad she had to have other people write for her. Well, she stands up completely healed. And she says, she says, she says, I had arthritis. And she said, I'm completely healed. Look at my arms. Look at my hands. She said, and then she said that she says, I feel as though I have liquid love from heaven. Uh, sorry, oil. Uh, 
liquid oil from heaven pouring through my body. And we stopped, and we, and, and we had the whole room give thanks to God for what he was doing. We just, we, we capture that moment. We're like, what we give thanks for increases. Let's just give God thanks. And the whole place just gave thanks to God, and then we went on, and a bunch more miracles happened that night. Well, the next morning, we're there for the morning service, and she catches me in the hallway. She's like, do you remember me from last night? I said, yeah, how, how, are, how are you doing? She's like, I'm doing so good. I slept with no pain for the first time in years. I'm completely healed. I have all mobility, flexibility back. It's amazing. But, but in this, like, sheepish voice almost, she's like, um, do you remember last night how I said I felt like I had oil, warm oil from heaven, like pouring through my body? I said, yeah. She said, well, I woke up this morning and look at my hands. And she was leaking oil from her hands. Thank you, Jesus. Now, that went on that morning, that night of service. It just, it just got stronger and stronger. Here's what I didn't know at that moment. I found out later that week that that lady worked in parliament. <laughs> that she was in government, and she worked in parliament, and uh, she'd been crippled with arthritis for years and years, and everybody knew it. Remember, so bad that she had to have other people sign her name, write for her. She couldn't even write herself. And, and she shows up the next, that week in parliament completely healed, <laughs> running around parliament testifying of the goodness of Jesus, through the whole place, listen, saying, everybody, look, God healed me, Jesus healed me, and she's still leaking oil from heaven, spreading it all over the parliament offices. Come on, somebody give praise to God for that. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> we, uh, so that was, that we were remembering what the Lord had done, and then this, this year, God did a bunch of good stuff. Don't have time to, to mention all of it. One was that a lady stood up one night. She had a frozen shoulder. God completely released her, completely healed her of that, uh, healed her of also some arthritic symptoms. And then she comes back the next morning, and she says, God touched me so strong last night. You remember I testified my shoulder? I said, yeah, I remember that. She says, well, this morning I woke up, and my foot's completely healed. I said, great, have me foot. She said, I had a tumor that had grown, a growth that had grown in my foot, and it had grown uh, between the bones and started to fuse to the bones and the nerves in my, in my foot. So they had a couple years ago, they went and did surgery, and they had removed the whole thing, but they had to cut out bone when they did it, and they shortened the bones in my foot and fused them together, and then they put two screws in my foot to hold it all together, and she said, I woke up this morning with no pain and no screws in my foot. Oh, I don't know. I'm going to try this side of the room. I don't, I don't, listen. She woke up without screws in her foot, all the mobility, all the strength, the return to her foot. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. We got, to re, we got to revisit with a lady who, who the, the same year, the, the, the oil, uh, parliament oil lady, we'll just call her that, um, got healed. This lady, uh, what my dad was sharing about, you know, there's no such thing to God as a big miracle or a little miracle. And in his perspective, they're all just love touches from the Father. 
But this one lady, she stood up. She was so undone by this that she was, she was, I would say, in her early 60s maybe, and, uh, and she was born with feet two different sizes. And her whole life, she had to buy two separate pairs of shoes just to get one pair out of it. That, that might not be a big deal unless that's you, right? And you're the one your entire life, you have to purchase two pairs of shoes just to get one pair out of it, right? And that night, God grew her short foot out to match the other one. And that was, that was a couple of years ago, and she was there, and we got to just rejoice with her again, and thank you, Jesus. He's good, amen? God, we just thank you for the increase of your goodness in our midst. Thank you, Jesus. Ooh, the increase of your goodness. Oh, man. Whoa. Thank you. <laughs> Whoa. I didn't plan on parking there, but I don't know if I have permission to leave. Thank you, Jesus, for the increase of your goodness in our midst, God. We thank you, God, for multiplication of your goodness. Father, we thank you for taking us from the healing realm into the miraculous realm. Thank you, Jesus. We, God, we thank you for people falling madly in love with you. We thank you for people meeting Jesus. We thank you for people encountering your goodness. We thank you for the awe of God growing over our city. Wow, thank you. Listen, I don't know why I can't go on. Just put your hands out in front of you. Thank you, Jesus. Well, the free gift of God. Wow. The increase of his goodness is available in the room right now. I don't, yeah, just stand up if you're hungry for this. Thank you, God. The increase of his goodness in our midst is available in the room right now. So, Father, I thank you for pouring out the increase of your goodness. Thank you, Jesus. God, I thank you that one six-figure testimony is not enough. <laughs> thank you, Jesus. That one person leaking oil from heaven is not enough, God. God, that, that one testimony of arthritis being healed is not enough. God, we release breakthrough. Breakthrough anointed in the spirit over every family represented here in Jesus' name. Thank you, God. And to carry that breakthrough into our city. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Wow. Just turn to your neighbor and tell him, you better be careful. I think something just happened. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Amen. All right. <laughs> okay, here we go. I am either going to preach the shortest sermon of my life or we're going to be here until midnight. One of the two is going to happen, but either way, I believe it's going to be good. And I have this feeling that um, in, a, in a few minutes <laughs> at the end here, I feel like we're going to do a, uh, a father's love embrace tunnel. It's like a fire tunnel where we just invite the Father's love just to fall on us. Oh, if you're not interested in that, then you can sneak out real quick at the end and nobody will know. Okay, thank you, Jesus. I want to I talk about, um, I want to continue this kind of theme uh, that I've been on. I want to talk about owning your season. 
And last, last time, uh, before I left for Australia, I shared a message about being on the test track with Jesus and how God tests you not to break you but to build you. And that he's, got, that he's got more vision for our life than we do. And that God's heart is drawing us into this, into this place of fulfilling that vision. But we often are in a bigger hurry than God is. That God has been uh, doing what he's been doing for a while. And he knows how the end of the story goes. And God's not anxious about anything. Amen. He's a good father. And the thing is that God, that we're, that we're into the outcome where God's into the process. And he's, he's less concerned with what he's building as who he's building. Thank you, Jesus. He's into your destiny, but, but part of that is to learn how to, to own the season we're in. And I was having a conversation with our intern, Grace, about stewarding uh, vision and destiny and seasons, and it just it stirred me uh, to go here tonight. Thank you, Jesus. And I and I believe that that one of the best ways to steward where God is calling us and where God is taking us, because we all know that God has called us. Can I get an amen to that? <laughs> or a hearty chuckle in your case. <laughs> We all know that God has called us, and God has vision for us. He's taking us somewhere. Can I get an amen to that? And that, and that in, the, in the last message, I talk about the promise of God is like that concept car, that shiny image with the lights, and everybody's ooing and aahing. We're like, that's amazing. And we expect to, God gives us the vision. We expect, expect to walk out the back doors of the church into that promise. But God's like, hey, I actually have a journey that I want to take you on, and the journey is what prepares you to hold the promise when you get there. Thank you, Jesus. And I actually believe that one of the greatest secrets to propel us to the promise is to learn how to embrace and enjoy and to own the season that we're in right now. Thank you, Jesus. How many people have room for increase? <laughs> <laughs> that we all are in process and we're all on a journey. That God's taking us somewhere and he's taking us towards the promise, but we might not be fully living in the promise yet, but the key is to learn to embrace the step that you're in right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You know, <clears throat> uh, several years ago, um, God... God spoke to me, I shared this a while back, but God spoke to me, he gave me a promise. He said, I want you to, I want you to begin to uh, preach crusades in Latin America. I said, God, I don't know how to organize a crusade. I don't know who to call. I don't know what to do. And, but I was in this place of asking God for fresh faith. Because I had been itinerating for a long time, did the healing rooms at Bethel, and, and, and had been doing what I was doing for quite some time, which was awesome. I'm not minimizing it at all, but I was in this place. I was like, God, I want to step in this place where I need to fully trust you because I don't know what's about to happen. Like, what does fresh faith look like? And that's when God said, I want you to start doing crusades in Latin America. And then... <laughs> Like a child, my response was, well, what? I don't know how to do that. And I went on this rant of like, God, I don't know who to call. I don't know how to organize. Like, my first image is Reinhard Bunke, right, and a million people. Right? And I'm like, I don't know how to do that. 
and God lets me rant, and then he goes, I'm like, God, I don't know how to do that. And then he goes, isn't that what you just asked me for? It's like, all right, God. And uh, so I ended up, I said, God, I don't know how to do that. So I will just carry this, this promise that you've spoken, I'm going to carry it in my heart. I'm going to say yes to it in advance. I don't know how to make it happen, but I'm going to carry this promise in my heart. And then when I would go into prayer, when hanging out with God, I would bring it up. I say, God, I don't know how to make this happen, but I say yes to crusades in Latin America. And then six months go by, and I'm actually happen to be in a prayer time. I'm just hanging out with God, and my phone rings. I don't normally answer it, but I just felt like this nudge to look at it. Caller ID, it's a missionary friend that I have. And I'm like, oh, I haven't heard from him in a while. Let me see what, what's up. So I answer the phone. He says, hey, I'm in Colombia. I'm with a group of pastors in Colombia, and they feel from the Lord that they're supposed to do a crusade in their city. And they specifically felt from the Lord that somebody from Bethel is supposed to preach the crusade. Are you interested? And I said, uh, hold on, let me think about it. I'll get back to you. No. I'm like, yes, absolutely. And so we go down there, and we do this crusade. And, you know, it takes a year of planning. But we go down there, and we do this crusade, and 1,200 people get born again. Thank you, Jesus. God shows up in the crusade. God shows up in the streets. God shows up at the park. God shows up in the, in the police academy. If you've been around for a while, you heard that story where some people on our team were just walking by the police academy. They were, like, going to get lunch, and they're walking down the street, and they realize they're passing the police academy. And they're like, huh, I wonder what would happen if we took God in there. So they go in, they go up to the front desk, they're like, hey, we're from out of the country, but we're here loving on people in the name of Jesus. The short story is that the captain, it goes through a couple of people, and the captain finally comes out and is like, what are you guys doing? How can I help you? And they're like, we're loving on people in the name of Jesus. We just wanted to know if there's anybody in here we could love on in the name of Jesus. And the captain goes, hold on, and walks off and leaves them standing there in the lobby, and they're like, uh, are we in trouble? Is he, gonna, is he going to get a cell ready for us? Like, what's happening? And he comes back, and he says, come with me. And he takes them out to this dirt courtyard in the middle of the, this compound, and he has called all 200 police cadets in training to the yard, has them standing in attention, and then he looks at the team and goes, all right, you have 45 minutes, preach the gospel. <laughs> I mentioned it it took, you know, a year of planning or whatever. In that time, we fell pregnant, Renee fell pregnant with our second second child. And we realized that the birth was close to the crusade dates. And I'm like, oh no, this is not going to work well. And, uh, and so I, I talked to him, and we moved it up as, as much as we could, and, and, but we were praying, and Renee actually had a couple of dreams that, that, that our son came early, was born early, and that I was out of the country when it happened. And I'm like, listen, I'm not going to go. Like, that's, I know we got all this momentum towards this crusade. I'm just like, I'm not going to go. And she prays, and she's like, no, I feel like the Lord's saying go, that, he, that he's got this. He's going to take care of it. And so I end up going, 
And sure enough, while all this amazing stuff is happening, one night we get back from the crusade ground on the bus, like there's no Wi-Fi out where we were, right? We get back to the hotel, and we pull up in front of the hotel, and everybody's phones connect to Wi-Fi, and boom, everybody on the team get down those text messages, you know, Renee's trying to get a hold of you. Everybody on the bus turns to me at the same time, Renee's trying to get a hold of you, and I'm like, oh, no. I know what this means, and sure enough, um, she had, she had gone into labor and uh, had given birth to our son Asher while we were while I was out at the crusade ground. And I'm talking to her now on Skype, and I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, I can't believe this happened. I know God was talking to us about it. I can't believe this happened. I'm getting on the plane first thing in the morning, and I'm flying home. And through, through Skype, the iPad, Renee looks at me. I didn't say any of that out loud. She looks at me, and she goes, don't even think about coming home early. I'm fine, your son is fine, and the Lord says that he's going to bless you with a double portion. He's going to bless him with a double portion for your faithfulness. Finish, finish God's work and then get home. And this peace broke and it came over me. And, and, then, and then fast forward, we had our, our third child. And so God gave me this promise about doing crusades in Latin America. And I did, and, I, and I, get, I got one done, and then next thing you know, we have three kids. And so instead of crusade season, I'm in diaper season. <laughs> and, you know, the funny thing is, is that we can, we can mistake the timing, and we can mistake the hand of God, what he's doing all the time. And we can try to fast forward what God is doing, instead of just owning what's in front of us in the moment. And so I did one crusade. I haven't done one since, but I've had a number of kids since. <laughs> and so I find myself in diaper season. But I, I remember having this conversation with God. I said, God, crusades were your idea, not mine. That was your promise. I know that you've got this under control. What I'm going to do right now is do the best I can in this season I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to raise up world changers and let you do the rest. You know, what's funny is that was, that was six years ago when he gave me that promise. We didn't have any idea then that we would be planning a church in Texas, but God knew. God has got bigger vision than we have. He has a higher perspective than we have. And now, fast forward, not only do we have three kids, we have moved from California to Austin, and we've planted a church. But here's the funny thing. There was 4,000 people at that crusade that we preached in Colombia. This summer, we're doing a family missions trip down to Mexico, and my brother is organizing that and, and with a church that we both have been to that we know well. Well, the, the son of the pastor works with the government down there, and so he's organizing this for us, and he's come back to us, and he's like, hey, here's what we're going to be doing while you're here, and several of the meetings that we're doing are around the 1,000-person mark or more, and one of them is 4,000 people. Thank you, Jesus. And I was hit with this reality. God, when you said crusades in Latin America, I had one thing in mind. I, my, my picture of what that would look like didn't include living in Austin, Texas. <laughs> 
I was like in the itinerating world, and I'm like, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna fly all over and do all this stuff. But the amazing thing is now I'm working with a whole company of people, you guys, that are carrying the fire of God, right? And that I get to steward this church, and guess what? I can now do as many crusades in Latin America as I want to, and I can take all of you with me. Come on. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. God is in the God is in the promise, and God is also in the process. Thank you, Jesus. I'm gonna read a verse to you that is that is unique. Um, but I want you, it's in James 4, but I want you to, to follow with me. And the context is is striving, and the, in my Bible, and I know that, that this isn't part of the text, but the title of chapter 4 of my Bible says, Pride Promotes Strife. And again, the context, and normally we take that in uh, brother to brother, right, amongst people, but actually want us to look at it through the lens of striving against your season or against your promise. Because I tell you what happens is that God gives us a promise, but we don't realize that God isn't just in the promise. He's also in the process. So instead of enjoying the process, we start dragging our feet. We start grumbling and complaining, and we actually elongate the process because we think God isn't with us, and we don't appreciate what he's doing. You know, your feet, we start dragging our feet. Our feet aren't meant to be anchors. They're meant to be paddles. They're supposed to propel us towards the promise. Thank you, Jesus. James 4. Where do, where, now think about striving against your season. Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desire for pleasure that war in your members? You lust and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. And you ask and do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasure. Um, Verse 5, or do you think that the scripture says in vain, no, I want to read 4, adulterers and adulteresses, do, not know, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you think that the scripture says in vain, the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously, but he gives more grace, therefore he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Somebody say humble. Verse 7, therefore submit to God and resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Ooh, I like that. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Verse 10, here's where we're stopping. Humble yourselves. In the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. Now, I want to back up one verse where it says, lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. I just want to take a moment and remind you that he's not talking to you. He's talking to those who have made friendship with the world a priority above friendship with God. And guess what? That's not you. <laughs> that might have been us. Come on. 
at one point, but that's not us anymore. So he's not telling you to walk around weeping and lamenting. He's telling those who have made friendship with the world their priority. You weep and lament and mourn until you figure out how good your father is. Because once you figure that out, then he fills you with the fullness of joy above all your companions. Thank you, Jesus. In his presence is fullness of joy. But then he says, humble yourselves in the sight of God, or some translations say before God, and he's going to do what? He's going to lift you up. I love how Peter puts it. He says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, and in due time, he will raise you up. Thank you, Jesus. But you know what's amazing is that in this, in this verse, the word sight, or before God, depending on your translation, in some way is the most powerful word in the, in the verse. And the thing that we need to realize is that part of humbling ourselves before God is learning how to enjoy the place that he has us right now, even while we're on our way towards the promise that he has for us tomorrow. Come on, thank you, Jesus. How many people know God doesn't want you to change the world just when you've arrived? He wants you to change the world right where you are. Come on, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> that God may have spoken you about, about building orphanages. God may have spoken you about doing crusades. God may have spoken you about planning a church. God may have spoken you about owning a Fortune 500 company that you use for his glory. God may have spoken you about all of these things, any of those things. But right now today, right, in your now, you might be working in a cubicle. Well, guess what? God wants you to own that cubicle. <laughs> and here's, here, here's the thing, that God wants to be in that cubicle with you, owning it together. He wants you to transform the world from that cubicle. And listen, when we catch, when we catch this, how to enjoy our now, it propels us into our tomorrow. Thank you, Jesus. But listen, humble yourself in the sight of of God. Now, some translations cite, some translations say before God. The, the word is, the word is uh, enopion. Something very close to that in the Greek. Listen, listen, translators have a very hard time translating this, this word. Sometimes it's translated, it's translated presence of God, sometimes it's translated face of God, sometimes it's translated before God, sometimes it's translated in his sight, and they can't figure out like what to say, what to call it, why? Because it actually is talking about his proximity, and how do you accurately translate that? But even as I study it out more, at the very root, at the very root, this word literally means occupied space. Listen, and when you're talking about God and occupied space, if God is occupying a space, what is that? His manifest presence. <laughs> so it the word literally is the occupied space of God. And translators are like, how do we translate that? So somebody like, come before his face, come before his sight, come into his presence. They're like, we don't know. It's talking about the occupied the manifest presence of God. 
Listen, it says, humble yourselves in the manifest presence of God. Oh, guess I'm going to preach to myself tonight. That's all right. <laughs> Listen, when you're, when you're in your cubicle, it's not just humble yourself before God. It's like, God, you're over there, and I'm over here, and, and you gave me a promise, and, like, I'm going to sit here, and I'm going to twiddle my thumbs, and I'll, I'll, one day maybe God's going to show up. And Listen, when I get to the promise, when I get to the shiny car, that's when I'll be living in the fullness of God. That's when everything's going to be great and amazing. I'm going to impact the world, but until then, I'm just going to sit here and twiddle my thumbs. No, it's not that. It's saying humble yourselves in the manifest presence of God. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Proverbs 3 says, acknowledge him in all of your ways, and he will direct your paths. Come on, Jesus. This word... This word is used uh, in the Hebrew equivalent of the same word is panim. And again, the same struggle, face, presence, before. They don't know, they don't know how to translate it because it's the occupied space of God. Look at some places that this is used. Are you ready for this? If you're ready, say, come on, Jesus. How about... Second Chronicles 7.14, and my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal their land. But, the, but it says, pray and seek my face. It's the same word. It's panim. It says, seek the occupied space of God. I'm getting myself happy. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Look, seek the occupied space, the manifest presence. Listen, if, if you're in a room, you're occupying that room. If I come into that room, I've just come into your presence. But if we're talking about God, his manifest presence, what's his manifest presence? It's his glory. Let's read it again. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. And my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and come into my manifest presence or come into my glory <laughs> and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal their land. Thank you, Jesus. At least my dad's excited. All right. <laughs> One more. One more, Numbers 6.24 says, the Lord, this is look, the Mosaic blessing, right? The, the priestly prayer. Look, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. But you know, face is the same word. Did you even know that countenance is still the same word? Like, they don't know how to translate it. <laughs> Let's read it again. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his manifest presence shine upon you. And be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his glory upon you and give you peace. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Listen, God, 
God has got you in whatever place you're in, and you might not have realized that the place that you're in is part of the journey that's taking you to where he wants you. But the mistake is God isn't just in the promise. God is in the journey. And listen, here's the point, that, we've, that, that we sometimes mistakenly think that we're going to get all of God when we get there because we think that's where God is. But we haven't realized that God is right here in the journey with us. <laughs> God's like, I got a promise for you. I got a promise for you to preach crusades. But part of the learning process is I want you to fill this cubicle with my manifest glory. Oh, man, I thought it was good. <laughs> I want you, yeah, you're, you have you have promised to own a Fortune 500 company. Right now you're working as a mechanic. I want you to learn how to fill this place with my manifest glory. Humble yourself. Realize that this is part of the process. And start to rejoice in what I'm doing right now. Thank you, Jesus. The Bible says that we, that we train the horses for battle, but it's the Lord who wins the war. Well, guess what? He's in the winning of the war and the training of the horses. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. And we need to learn how to embrace whichever season we're in. Oh, man, I'm the, I'm the happiest mechanic on planet Earth. Well, I mean, not me. I'm a pastor. But you know what I'm saying. <laughs> Listen, I'm the happiest cubicle worker you've ever seen. <laughs> Look, your neighbor, your neighbor is complaining about their job. And, like, oh, and they're grumbling, right? And you're over here like, this is so amazing. And they're like, why are you so happy? <laughs> you're like, because I'm in a journey with God, and I'm in the manifest presence of God right now. <laughs> You need some joy, I got it for you. You need some breakthrough, I got it for you. Thank you, Jesus. And you start turning your cubicle, your workplace upside down for the kingdom of heaven. Guess what happens there? This is humbling yourself before God. Oh, man. I feel like only four people are getting it, but I'm okay with that. Listen, this is, this is humbling yourself before God or in the manifest presence. Like, oh, God, you've given me this cubicle. And we're like, yes, this is, this is the most amazing season. I know I'm training for war. Hmm. <laughs> You're like, God, you've called me to Fortune 500 companies, and you're like, I can't even stretch out in this thing. You call me to big, this feels little, but doesn't it say to be faithful with the? Oh, you are getting it. Come on, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> but, here's, but here's the key. When we embrace that, and we realize that the little is the springboard to the big, and we start embracing it, and we're like, God, this is, this is my season. Listen, can I say something real simple to you? You only have the season you're in. 
And you're like, this is my season. This is it. This is the training ground. I'm in the manifest presence. And you start rejoicing. You start celebrating. You start releasing God's goodness. And God looks and goes, look it. They got it. (laughs) Here you go. Promotion. But here, listen, I'm just going to say it as it is. Listen, God can't promote you if you're doing a bad job with the season you're in. And we're, you know, too often we're grumbling and complaining like, oh, when am I going to get there? And God's like, when you stop grumbling and complaining. (laughs) And we're like, oh, God's called me to crusades. And when I get there, I'm going to pray for the blind. I'm going to pray for the sick. And I'm going to see miracles happen and tons of salvations. It's going to be amazing. And right now, I'm just working this stupid cubicle job and pushing paper. And whatever. I can't wait till God promotes me out of this season. And oh, I hate I got another paper cut. And I need a Band-Aid. And I need somebody to pray for me. And, and God's like, yeah, you're going to be there a while. Let's go around the mountain again. Let's go around the mountain again. Let's go around the mountain again. Until you go, this cubicle, this office is my crusade ground. I'm going to practice right now. And you're telling everybody about Jesus, and you're preaching, you're praying for the sick, and you're like, you know, releasing miracles, and and you're rejoicing. You're You're like, I got half my office saved this year. And God's like, yep. Promotion, boop. Come on, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, so much to say and not enough time. <laughs> Humble yourself before God. I think we got that part, right? Before the, 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 the manifest, the, the occupied space. Do you know that it's the same word when it talks about the seven spirits of God dwell before the throne? Before God, listen, when you humble yourself in the occupied space of God, in the manifest presence of God, you're putting yourself in the same place the seven spirits of God dwell. Listen, in Matthew, in Matthew 10, Jesus sends out the 70. In some translations said he sent them out two by two before his face. Some say before him. Listen. He didn't have him go before his face because he, like, was counting sheep. Like, everybody line up. I got to make sure we got 70. Yeah, two, four, six, eight. Yeah, single file line. Now, come on. No, that's not what's happening, right? Jesus sent them out from his occupied space, from his manifest presence. (laughs) Listen, Jesus sent them out. From the same place the seven spirits of God dwell. Why do you think when they went out, the sick were healed? The lame walked. The blind saw. And they came back all excited like, wow, even the demons were subject to us in your name. He's like, yeah, because he went out in my manifest presence. (laughs) And then Jesus is like, yeah, I saw Satan fall like lightning. You know what else is before the throne of God? Thunders and shada ba 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 Yeah, when we, oh come on, 
when we get it, when we get it, you're going to walk into rooms. You've been, you've been over here humbling yourself before God. Not like, oh, I hope one day God's going to use me. Got another paper cut. No, you're like in the, you're in the manifest presence. This is my season. You walk out carrying that realm, you walk in a room and demons start fleeing. Like, no, literally. Wow. I'm going to end in the next 90 minutes here. Last point I'm going to make, and then we're going to pray. Team, if you want to come up, we're going to do a Father's Heart Tunnel. We're going to do a Manifest Presence Tunnel. Listen, that, that God's given you a promise. And the way that you get to that promise is you own the season that you're in right now. And we, we need to learn to humble ourselves before God. But we, we need to, like the story of the crusade, and say, God, I don't know how to do that. I hold it in my heart. Your heart is like a compass before the Lord. And in, in orienteering, the way that you use a compass in the woods, you're camping, you need to go from A to B that's way over there. You take out your compass and you find, a, you find a significant landmark, which is the promise, a, a tall tree, a mountaintop, and you anchor your sight on that thing, and then you put your compass away, and you just make your way straight to the landmark. And if, as long as you can see the landmark, it doesn't matter what rocks you have to climb, what valleys you go through, what rivers you have to cross, as long as you can see the landmark. God gives you a promise, but you're supposed to own the season that you're in. But the key is to make sure that you're always taking your compass out and you're aligning your heart towards the promise. Because the crazy thing is that, God, that God's not going to necessarily take you on a straight line. God says, crusades in Latin America, next thing I know I'm pastoring a church in Texas. But God knows how to get you from A to B better than you know how to get yourself from A to B. And you're like, listen, the other, the other problem is that we get so caught in our season that we lose sight of the promise. That's not the, that's not the, the key either. The, the key is to line your heart. I'm going to own this season. I'm going to keep the compass of my heart toward, pointed towards the landmark, the promise of God. Jesus wants to fill your now season with more joy. He wants to fill your now season with his manifest presence. Because he's not just in the promise, he's in the journey. And I feel like there's some people in the room tonight that you could use some increased joy in your current season. You could use some increased manifest presence in your current season. There's some people in the room that could use the revelation like, oh, God's not just going to encounter me when I get there. God's going to encounter me right now. And that's part of what's going to promote me 
to get there. Come on. Your cubicle is your crusade ground. Wow. Humble yourself before God. Humble yourself in the sight of God. That's not, I'm sitting here doing my thumbs going, oh, maybe one day. I just got to be patient. Just got to be patient. Ten years later, just got to be patient. Maybe one day. No. It's, it's coming into the manifest presence, into the occupied space of God. If anybody wants God to occupy the space that you're in right now, I'm going to invite you to stand to your feet tonight. Well, I know parents are picking up their kids, and but God is still in the room. And I just want you to put your hands out in front of you, the occupied space. Not tomorrow, not next year, not 10 years from now. Yes, God's got promises that he's taking you towards that you, 10 years from now, you will find yourself walking in if you learn how to embrace the season you're in right now. You learn how to rejoice in the season you're in right now. You learn how to own the season that you're in right now. Wow. I feel like there's some humbling that's about to go on in the room. Not man's version of humbling. Woe is me. I'm weak and broken. No, God's version of humbling, which is the invitation in his manifest presence. Whoa. I declare over you that the season you're in right now is your season. That just felt good to say. The season that you're in right now is your season. Come on, thank you, Jesus. We thank you for increasing the presence of God on each and every person and household here. Just, if this means something to you, if God's speaking to you through this, I just want you to put your hand on your heart. Yeah, well, I just want you just to tell God what, don't tell me. I want you to tell God. Say, God, this is my season. This is my season. And I'm coming to humble myself before you right now. I'm coming into your occupied space that your glory would shine not later, but right now, because you're a good father. Not later, but right now. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Amen. 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 Come on. Thank you, Jesus. I feel the Father's 
embrace so strong in the room. The affirmation of heaven so strong in the room. If I can have my, the ministry team and our leaders <clears throat> just come up, and we're just going to make... We're going to make a, a love embrace, a father's embrace tunnel up here at the front. Eddie, if you can help me organize organize this. And listen, I'm going to pray and release you if you need to go. You are more than released to go. But if you want to come and just get a hug from the Father, if you want to step into the manifest presence of God... then we're going to do that up here. But I want, to, I want to forewarn you that in his presence is fullness of joy. That if you get happy, it's not by mistake. And I want to warn you that when you come into the occupied space of God, you come into the same place where the seven spirits of God are dwelling. <laughs> Listen, you come into love embrace. You come into transformation. If you're, if you're coming just because somebody next to you is coming, you're not going to get all that God has for you. If you're coming to receive an embrace from the love of the Father, then he's going to transform your heart and your life tonight. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> thank you, Jesus. I'm going to pray. Father, I thank you <laughs> for increase of your goodness in our midst over every house. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit www.bethelchurchaustin.com.